Hour number three of the week that was, and we had uh, Eric Resnick, the vice president of Canton City School Board, attend an event this past Wednesday designed to influence Governor DeWine to line-item veto any provision in the finalized state budget that continues to allow the state takeover of school districts in academic distress. Why was this necessary first, Eric? And thank you so much for coming in on a Saturday morning, taking time to be here. I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you for your interest in this topic. And um, that clip that played during the break was from, you know, was actually from Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate your talking about this and raising the issue among the public. Why was it important? Well, it's important because um, there are school districts in the state of Ohio, including the Canton City School District, that are potentially in a lot of peril. And it's a peril that is coming from the state of Ohio. Um, currently, the state has, under under um, legislation that passed in 2015, known as House Bill 70 or the Youngstown Plan, um, Youngstown, Lorraine, and East Cleveland have been taken over by the state. Next year, if the if the provisions in the law are allowed to stand, Dayton will be taken over. And are we talking this fall? Year, when yeah, you say oh, next oh, yeah, year, for, next yeah, for, school oh, yeah, year. For Dayton, yes, okay. it would be this fall. And then the following year, there is a group of 10, and the Canton City School District is one of those 10. Mm-hmm. So what when... Governor Kasich was governor. There was no chance to get this out because he was a big proponent of it, and he, you know, he wouldn't even have the conversation. When Governor DeWine came in uh, in January, shortly after he came in, after after spending an entire campaign where actually neither candidate talked about this at all, we couldn't get anything out of either candidate with regard to where they. They stood on this, but Governor DeWine opened the door a little bit and said that he would be willing to, you know, he, he he didn't he didn't come down hard on one side or the other, but he said he'd be willing to work on taking taking care of this problem. So as soon as that happened, legislators in the House primarily started scrambling to come up with legislation that would do that. There were actually two bills. There was House Bill 127 and House Bill 154. The one that they went with was House Bill 154, so you don't need to know too much about 127 other than it existed, but 154 became the vehicle to do that. And what does that bill do? In my my understanding, that bill would merely pause until they study the effects of state takeover. No, actually, correct? it does a little more than that. Oh, it, it does? Actually, okay. it, it actually ends state oh, it takeover. Does. It, it, it says, you know, no more. Okay. Where, where, where actually 154 is a little deficient in is in, um, you know, Youngstown, Lorraine, and East Cleveland have been so devastated by this that they're going to eventually need some state aid, both financially and in terms of, you know, just some policy things to put themselves back together because because it's been that bad. 154 doesn't go there, but 154 um, ends 
the state takeover for everybody else. It ends it for them as well. And it provides um, some state support services around um, where districts might be having some, some problems. So, so everything hinges on this bill passing and being signed by the governor. If not, I, I would say so. Yeah, because because the, the the three that have been taken over need the relief now. Yeah, the rest of us really can't wait either. You know, we don't. You know, we're not we're not on as tight a, a time schedule, but but we need this to go away. What what does a we have to get into what what does a takeover look like? What happens to the board? <laughs> okay. What happens to the administration, superintendent? What happens to all the? What happens when the state takes over exactly? Currently, under under House Bill seventy, when the state takes over, there is an academic distress commission that is appointed. It's a five member commission. Three of the members are appointed by the state department of education, which are essentially gubernatorial <laughs> appointments because the governor's office basically handles that. So they they come from Columbus. They don't have to be district residents. The fourth one is the mayor of the city in which, you know, in which the district resides gets to appoint one member. Mm-hmm. They also don't have to be a resident of the district. Okay. The fifth one is appointed by the, um, the president of the current board of education they have to be a teacher, not necessarily a teacher in the district and not necessarily a district just resident. Just a teacher. But they just have to be a teacher. And, so you have a five-person board. Right. And in the case of Lorraine, none of them are district residents. None of them are stakeholders in the district. They have the power to appoint a CEO. The CEO takes on the powers of both the the superintendent, although interestingly not the treasurer, which causes some conflict, but they take on all of the powers of the superintendent and the board. So they become the governance and the administration. They have superpowers and they have the power to vacate any and all contracts that the that the district is currently a party to teachers yes immediately not immediately but within a year wow wow and and principles everything everything and in fact you know typically what they have done is gone after the collective bargaining because this is about you know there's an element of this state takeover not just in ohio but nationally that really is about breaking up teachers unions Mm -hmm. so they have all gone after the collective bargaining agreements Wow. Yeah. That I mean and they have they have absolute power. And one of the you know, my colleagues in Youngstown tell tell stories about they had about thirteen million dollars in surplus for their district at the time that they went and take over and they worked real hard to get that because Youngstown has, has yeah. had some struggling. Well the CEO came in and you know, within a couple of years that thirteen million is gone. They got nothing to show for it. He brought in a whole a, a whole bunch of very high priced consultants, blew the thirteen million dollars, and now the one power that the elected school board has, as long as it is, you know, as long as it's still in effect, is that it can it it can 
put a tax levy on the ballot. Oh, wow. So so in Youngstown, that's what happened. The CEO has gone back to the elected school board and begged them to put a tax levy on the ballot because he blew through the thirteen million dollars. And of course, they're not doing that. But it but but I mean, I, you know, you tell these stories because it really is that bad. Wow, wow. When we when we come back, I want to continue okay. with this. I want to get into. Uh, where we're at you 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 made a statement and i'll tease it right now and then we'll come back and you made a statement that it was taxation without Without representation representation. i want to get into that when we come back with eric resnick vice president of the canton city school board stay tuned and we are continuing a very interesting discussion with uh the vice president of canton city school board eric resnick who attended an event this past wednesday designed to try and influence governor dewine to line item veto any provision, finalized budget to state takeover. We don't want the state to take over our local school district. And but I, but I have to ask you this: You said um, it's taxation without res- re- representation. First it of all, is. what did you mean by that? Well, I mean two things. Um, you know, our our local um, community doesn't stop paying their property taxes to the schools just because the state takes over. But they do lose the right to choose who is at the table, um, you know, sitting there accounting for that for that spending. So it it. is so. So it absolutely is taxation without representation. The other piece of that is the way the system is rigged currently. Now, once you're taken over, it is nearly impossible to get out once you're in you're in for the duration well because you have to get c's on your report card to get out so if you you know if you if you're getting f's and you're not able to get a d you're certainly not going to be able to jump up to a c you know and that's the fault of the report card and how it measures high poverty districts but so you're in it for the duration so it really is taxation without representation i get it now some people would argue, Eric, that once again in 2018, Canton City received an F mm-hmm. overall by the state. It received an F for achievement, an F for preparing students to succeed, yep. and showed a graduation rate of only 75%. 75.8%. Okay. that That's the four-year graduation. Okay. The, the five years higher. But yeah. S- some would argue... That there is plenty, there has been plenty of time to improve. How could this be any state taking it over be any worse? Well, let, let me let me address that by by saying um, yes, we are. You know what I've said a number of times: the Canton City School District over the past you know five to six years, especially, has declined and sunken into a pretty deep hole. You know, the Board of Education. Um, did what what we think is going to help turn that around relatively quickly in the hiring of Dr. Jeff Graham as a superintendent. Dr. Graham is the most qualified um, superintendent that we've had in this community in in decades. I mean, and and one of the things that he's very good at is is student achievement. That that's his his strong suit. 
that's a pretty big step for a board of education. I mean, board, boards of education are not in the classrooms teaching the kids. So, right. you know, that's that's the biggest arrow that we have in our quiver is is the replacement of the superintendent. Um, we have also um, refocused much of the district on on um, academic performance and on student achievement in a way that that wasn't before. I mean, you know, you know, it, it, we are not completely clean of hands here. You know, the the current board and our predecessors um, let things get to a point where some drastic measures had to be taken, and that's, we a, took that's a, hard to admit. Well, it but it's the truth, and you know I'm not, you know it, it is the truth, and and anybody who looks at our report card over the last six years will see that very clearly. But we did it, and we and 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 I think we we did all right, and I think that you're going to see some improvement in those scores um, starting this year, whether and whether or not it's enough to get us the D and out of you know trouble with the state it remains to be seen. But I think you are going to see some improvement. The other thing with that is we know that local control of school districts is the most effective model because it's reflexive of the individual community in which in which we operate. And we know that that these takeover schemes don't work anywhere. It was the article in the Plain Dealer. I read that, that was I mean and it just shows that in Ohio Nothing's changing. In fact, Youngstown scores are actually a little bit worse since the state took over. Yes, and everybody else has basically stayed the same. This is Ohio's not the only state that's experimented with this, and it hasn't worked anywhere. There is nowhere that they can point to and say state takeover is going to raise scores. I I I I would agree with you. Now, here's the thing that boggles my mind, Eric. We're talking with Eric Resnick, the Kansas City Schools Vice President, and we may have to go beyond the news and continue this because I think it's important. I have never been in a community in my life, and I've lived in 10 different states. I grew up in Akron. Stark County is a can-do place. Mm -hmm. The people of Stark County, to me, are amazing. I think this is probably, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So we know that the people are great. They make things happen. We know that the board is strong. I trust, I believe in the board. I mm-hmm. think the board is a bunch, uh, is is made up of a lot of very caring, committed people. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have, very, we have a very strong board Yes. Right now. now, I also know, I know many current and former teachers in Canton City Schools. Mm-hmm. The ones I know are some of the most dedicated people, quality people, quality teachers that I have ever met. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? <laughs> I the mean, problem, I, I don't get it. The, the, the one word answer is the poverty. Why? Po- poverty, and I, and I get this, but poverty doesn't make you... Poverty, you have poverty, it affects, I mean, we have the meal programs. Right. So the kids are fed. Right. We have... Poverty doesn't make you less intelligent. That's correct. It may affect your vocabulary. There have been yep. studies that it affects your vocabulary, that it may affect reading skills, yep. things like that. And those are very important to communication. 
However, the potential of a young person in poverty is the same as the potential makeup, brain-wise, everything, of anywhere else. Am I wrong? Well, yes and no. Okay. Let's tackle this when we come back. All right, we'll tackle it when we come back. We're going to take a break right now, and we'll get into this. Um, Because that is the crux of this. Good. That is perfect. We'll get into this as we continue with Eric Resnick, the VP of Canton City School Board. Stay tuned. Okay, we left. We are continuing our discussion with uh, Eric Resnick, Vice President of School Board here in Canton City Schools. And I left you with this, that I don't think there's a better place with more caring people than Stark County, Canton, Ohio. Phenomenal. Teachers, everyone I've met is are some of the most committed people that I've ever mm-hmm. ever been around. Great teachers who really care, truly mm-hmm. care. Um, I, I believe in. A, I believe we have a strong school board that gets it. You said poverty is the problem. Number one. Yep. Why? Poverty doesn't make people less intelligent. That's correct. So what is the problem? You know, there's there's a saying that, you know, Mother Nature distributes intelligence equally, but not opportunity. And the poverty problem is all all orbits around the opportunity. You know, before the break, you, you mentioned vocabulary. Well, vocabulary is a big deal. You know, and our, our kids, in, in order to get a lot of our kids ready for the third grade reading tests, you know, we have to do a lot of remediation. Our kids, very few of our kids come to school prepared even for kindergarten, you know, compared to a more affluent district like, and I'm, I'm going to pick on them because I'm familiar with it, where my, where my nephews went to school down in New Albany, mm-hmm. down in the Columbus area, the very affluent suburb. They don't have any problem getting most of their kids ready for the third grade guarantee. And it's not because they're more intelligent and it's not because they have um, more, more grit or more determination. In fact, quite frankly, and I hope my nephews aren't listening to this. Usually the opposite is true. You know, our, our, you know, our kids have to work for what they get and they have to, you know, they they have to take advantage of opportunity, and they have a lot of ingenuity um, that you don't see with a lot of kids that that come from a more privileged circumstance. But here's the problem: those state tests test that vocabulary. So if you're if you're deficient in vocabulary because of your background, because of the environment that you live in, because of the experiences that you have not had. You know, my nephews have traveled all over the world. You know, they have parents and grandparents who are, you know, professionals who read to them since the time they were young. They've had every opportunity materially. So many of the kids in high poverty urban districts, including Canton City, and we're one of the highest in the state, have not come from that background. So they have farther to go to get to the point of achievement. They start out with they start out with with a higher deficit. How do we resolve that? Well, because you can't just you can't just say this is how it is. This is this is you know this is the big. 
macro discussion that goes on in, in education circles. I don't believe that school districts can solve that all by ourselves. The, the, those problems are actually bigger than what we can do in schools. Now, we can do some things. We can have, and we do, early childhood education. But who goes to that? Well, hopefully everybody does. The problem with early childhood, though, is that the state of Ohio doesn't require it. So in Canton City, we have it, and we do really well at it, but we can't require Can we, in Canton City, can the mayor or the city council mandate it? I doubt it. I don't want to say no, but I doubt it. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's just be, because because somebody the, would be, take be, it to a court. State, yeah, well, you know the state the state requires K through twelve. There is no requirement for pre K. Now, Kent City Schools does pre K. In fact, we do pre K very well for free. Yes, totally. Hmm. But but it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. Um. You know, we can make sure that the kids get enough to eat while they're in school. Right. But then there's the weekend. Right. You know, we can make sure that that we get kids out of their comfort zone of their own neighborhood and to places like colleges for visits and to visit um, places of employment, things that, you know, kids that have more opportunity would, would typically take for granted. And we do those things. So there are some things that we can do, but here's what we can't do. You know, we have kids, and and this is really unfortunate, but we have kids who come to school on days when their homes might have been raided the night before, so they haven't slept, when maybe there was... um, you know, drama in their neighborhood that they couldn't control. Mm. Um, something happened in their house. Yeah. We can't control those things and all of those things. And, and it's not every kid every day, but our kids and kids everywhere that live in high poverty circumstances live with a certain amount of post-traumatic stress disorder. Got it. You know, they show I get that. they show some of the signs that, you know, people coming back from from military deployments show. School districts are just not equipped to deal with that. We can help ameliorate some of it, but that is not what we do. Wow. And all of those things that that swirl around. You know, and and you know, for our kids even you know, for a lot of our kids, even to go to the mall is a big deal yeah. because they just don't get out of their neighborhoods very often. Mm-hmm. That kind of cultural enrichment and the deficit, you know, that the poverty causes is is what is holding districts like ours back on these tests that test vocabulary and knowledge of those types of things. And they do it in a standardized way so that our kids, our kids in the Canton City School District are actually standardized and normed to 
my nephews in New Albany. I hear you. And that's the problem. I agree. I agree with that 100%. That was that was a perfect explanation, Eric. I, I uh, you know, I, as a as a former college football coach, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I, I recruited a lot of kids from inner city Detroit and inner city uh, L.A. and different places yep. where I went. Um, <clears throat> and I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw what the schools were like, what they dealt with, what the kids dealt with, the pools they had. Um, and, and then, but there's also that part of me that says, can't just, we can't just accept that. And I know you feel that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even imagine what the teachers and the board and everybody goes through daily trying to figure out how to reach more and more kids. Well, and I not give, have them fall through the cracks. I give a lot of credit, you know, to our teachers and principals and the support staffs that are yeah. that are in the buildings because you know they and they get it. You know, most of them are here because they want to be. You know, this is a calling for I agree. many of them. And I'll tell you, I you know, when I'm in the school buildings from time to time, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I just, you know, it, it is tough and they do it day in and day out and they do it, they do it with, with, with so much love and compassion mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and I don't want anybody out there to think that, that they set expectations low for our kids. They don't, you know, the expectations are high, but you also have to understand that the deficits are, are higher. Right. All right. So what's next to wrap this up? And I thank you so much for your time. Well, I and thank you've you been, for you've been I, wonderful. What are, are we just kind of at mercy now of what happens in Columbus uh, at the moment? Yes. Either this passes or Governor DeWine line item vetoes out that thing in the budget. What we want is <laughs> what what we want is for the omnibus budget to have House Bill 154 as reported by the House in it and nothing else. When will you know that? Uh, well, <laughs> soon. You know, the, the deadline actually is tomorrow night at, at, at midnight. And if it doesn't but have they're it already, in it? You know, I saw this morning where, where the Speaker of the House is talking about the possibility of that not happening and they're having to do interim budgets. Hmm. So I I don't know. So if it if it's not in there, you still have next year before it kicks in. We do, yeah. To maybe because do they do a budget every year? Every every two years. Oh, it's, so it's what they do now? Well, this can be done as a standalone bill. Okay. The reason why it's important to have it in the budget is because Lorraine and Youngstown and East Cleveland need it right now. Okay, I hear you. So it's not so much, but then the. And Dayton needs it right now because, because this because year it's going September, to start. In September, the determination will be made whether Dayton goes into academic distress or not. And it sounds like they will. If the law stays the same in September, yeah, they will. And then Canton City will, we'll and 10 other lot. schools, we'll have districts. Months. Pretty soon the state will take over everything, well, except for Jackson and, and that's, North Canton. And you know, there, there's some Louisville you know, there, There's some intentionality that way in, in the way that legislation was was crafted too interesting interesting eric resnick thank you and and thank my, you joe my best to you and all the members of the board are all fine people and and uh as you proceed with this and hopefully we with with our new 
superintendent yep. and things going on that this turns around. He would come on your show too. Oh, good. I'd love yep. to have him. I'd love to have him talk about these things. Yeah, he's he and he's great to talk to about these things. Awesome, Eric Resnick. Thank you so much, thank and you, you have Joe. a wonderful day. Thank you.